You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the post-game press conference, I just want to clarify something. When Gronkowski made the catch, upstairs our guys said, hey, look, I can't really tell. Uh, It looked to me from the field that he made the catch. I don't really have the benefit of nine different angles. The clock was running down. I wanted basically the Patriots to operate and, and see if they could do what they needed to do relative to taking a timeout to allow New York more time to review. I very much realized that I can take a timeout there. I decided not to because I felt from my vantage point that it was a catch, and that's what I went with. That was Bill O'Brien in Monday's press conference, and we'll have more to say on that in today's show, plus the latest with the health of the Texans after week one and pro football focus grades. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from FansidedHouseOfHouston.com. You should know us by now, but if you don't, uh, that's our story. Thanks for diving into Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And Brian, what did you think of what OB said at his presser? Was that any better than what he did after the game when he blamed the officials? <laughs> that's just a little CYA, but we we know all about that. Uh, yeah, Bill. I, I mean, it's it's okay if you if you made a mistake, you just go on and fess up to it. I mean, the guy, I don't think there's anything illegal against throwing the challenge flag. I mean, the worst, you would be, you know, charged a timeout. Um, it, it was less than two minutes, uh, you know, remaining in the in the first half. So it would have been okay. So I, I, I just don't see why he should have he should have just stopped the game right there and said, hey, let's review this. Uh, but he said he thought it was a catch. I mean, a blind man could see <laughs> that was not a catch. So, well, yeah, I mean, he did, it was so quick. I mean, what? How many replays did he see? How much time does he have to look at replays? I mean, I don't understand why he thinks he's supposed to be the one that makes the decision there. And you, your guys upstairs have got to be thinking fast. But I mean, the the bottom line is, like we said in the post game, it does not hurt to call a timeout. You needed to call timeout anyway, maybe to regroup your defense and. You're basically, you know, you're, you you don't have enough time to get the ball back. So you've got three timeouts. Use them on the defensive side of the ball. Tom Brady doesn't need a timeout. You need the timeout. Tom Brady doesn't. Yeah, it, it was already momentum that was shifting in the Patriots direction uh, toward the end of the half. And that made it. I think that was the game changer. That was the moment, as RG talked about uh, last night, whenever he caught and it, it counted for a touchdown. It really changed things the rest of the way, although we made a nice gallant run toward uh, the second half through the second half, almost getting back into the game. But I, I just think that he could have just thrown the flag. If it doesn't look right, just do it. Just just have somebody look at it. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be all conclusive. Just go and throw the flag and just have somebody look at it. So that way we don't have any disadvantages in trying to beat this team. Maybe, maybe, probably. Well, let's just say probably Brady and Belichick figure out a way to beat you. I mean, that's, that's what they do. Uh, The Texans, had a lot of other issues like we talked about in the post game. Deshaun Watson, mm. let's face it, he was bad. Uh, he was bad on so many levels, Brian. I, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but look, uh, I thought the offensive line looked worse. We're going to get to the offensive line's grades in a little bit, uh, but they looked worse. 
because of the way Deshaun Watson was holding on to the football. Deshaun looked like a rookie quarterback more than he ever looked like a rookie quarterback last year. Uh, he was hurrying throws at the last second because, you know, he, he just wasn't anticipating throws. He wasn't anticipating guys. He was totally missing guys. Um, Deshaun Watson was definitely an issue, but he could have always turned it around at some point in that game. And you were hoping that, that he was going to get to that point. And I, I guess the bottom line is as we approach this Titans game, uh, Deshaun Watson, he's got to be better. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, this is going to tell us whether this was just about the Patriots and Belichick and the defense and their preparation, or was this the new Deshaun Watson? Is this the guy that is going to revert in a sophomore slump and maybe all of last year was false? I, I don't think it is. Probably somewhere in the middle. That's my guess. I don't think so. I think he's going to be just fine. But here's the evidence here. You know, we've known or they've known uh, pretty much uh, since, you know, March. You know, this is going to be the week one opponent. So what they did was they broke down those seven games worth of film and they figured out his tendencies, his every move, how he gets around the field. And they were ready. They're always ready. I don't know what they're doing. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, as Tony Romo said on the telecast, but they always seem to be ready for their opponents. And they were doing drills, you know, and uh, I believe one of the reporters uh, up in, you know, up in New England, I think NESN, he tweeted a, a video, and I looked at it, of a drill that they ran, to how to corral Deshaun Watson. And it, it worked perfectly. They practiced it, you know, ad nauseum. So whenever week one rolled around, they were ready, and Deshaun Watson struggled as a result of it. It was all about preparation, and we weren't prepared to counterpunch, but they were ready to strike the, you know, pretty much strike the first blow. Yeah, you give Bill Belichick eight months or whatever, seven months or whatever it was, uh, at least half a year to prepare for the for a team. Uh, he's going to beat you, obviously. Bill O'Brien, you give him six months, and he's not. I mean, that's that's what I got out of that yeah. game, yeah. And, and there's no question about that. Uh, it, it, you know, Deshaun took the blame in the post-game press conference. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about that because we went right after the game. We wanted to get you guys this stuff immediately, our thoughts out there as quickly as we can so you guys could uh, get it a couple hours after the game and, and uh, have the rest of Sunday to kind of listen to it and, 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 and kind of get your thoughts together as well as you go to the water cooler on Monday. But, um, yeah, that that's, you know, Deshaun – I would expect that from him. You know, he took the blame. Jadavian Clowney said he had to knock some rust off. You know, he didn't blame the Texans coaching staff, but somebody that did blame the Texans coaching staff. I don't know if you saw this, Brian, but uh, I heard a little quote from uh, Ty Matthew where he sort of placed the blame on the, that last uh, group that we were just talking about, that last group of plays after the Gronk play. He said the Texans we're not in the right defense. I thought that was interesting. You know, Ty Matthews is going to tell you what he thinks. That's not a real Texan kind of guy, but Ty Matthews pretty outspoken. Well, he had the game to back it up. I mean, he, he he played pretty solidly out there on the field. You know, everybody thought that because he was coming back from an injury, he wasn't going to be playing all that well, or he was going to have a lot of rust too. Yeah, Tyron Matthew looked just fine out there. And uh, and I love it. I mean, you know, that's sometimes you have to say what needs to be heard instead of what you want to hear. And uh, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, all for it in that particular situation. Right, right. And, and, and we got to get to Texans news because they're 
is some things that are going on. Uh, Chantrell Henderson is out for the year with a broken ankle. No surprise. Uh, we basically knew that after the game. Will Fuller should be ready to go next week, according to Bill O'Brien. So that's good to hear. They missed him. Cornerback Tavon Webster, as we guessed, still hasn't recovered from the Achilles injury. He won't be ready for this week, hopefully soon. Uh, sounds like the Andre Sachere era is about to start. Uh, the Titans put tight end Delaney Walker on IR. Uh, we got to get into the Titans uh, pretty soon because that game's going to be next week. He's out for this season. They signed Michael Pruitt off to the Texans practice squad. Offensive tackle Taylor Lewan is in pr- pr- concussion protocol. So uh, that could be a big deal going into next week. They're missing a tackle. And J.J. and Clowney and some of those guys, uh, it's it, it's not Bill Belichick coaching the Titans defense, so we'll see. It's a Belichick protege, but so is Romeo Cornell. So we'll see how much that affects things. Also, the Eagles signed Braxton Miller to the practice squad. That was kind of interesting. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys signed Xavier Suofilo. God bless the Cowboys, Brian. I, I'm so sad to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how desperate they are for help on their offensive line. My goodness. But as I said a couple shows back, Xavier Suofilo, even though he got cut from the Titans, he's not going to be unemployed for long uh, because, you know, again, that's a premium position, and there's not many players out there. There's not many offensive linemen that, you know, are healthy and as young as he is that – that has the prospect of getting better. So maybe the Cowboys will take a try at it and see if he can improve in that offense. But after what I saw Sunday, they've got a lot more things going on uh, than their offense right now. Their quarterback just said the defense, it was just all looking bad against the Panthers yesterday. Brian, we got to talk about my bookie. But the problem this week is uh, if you're trying to bet on the Texans, Titans game anyway, is there's no point spread yet because uh, apparently – it's still up in the air with Marcus Mariota. We, we don't know if he's going to play next week. It's an iffy situation. So who knows? That, that could go down the final couple of days. But, you know, as we're recording this on Monday night and everything we heard come out on Monday, uh, still nothing there. But if you believe in the Texans uh, come Sunday or, you know, you have another line from any of the games coming up this week, Ryan, you got to go to my bookie, right? That's right. That's right, Rob. And that's crazy. But I mean, you know, Titans are trying to play smoke and mirrors too, you know, with this injury, you know, he may be ready to go for week two, but if he isn't, you know, go to mybookie.ag. Ever since we started this podcast, we've been asking for it. People have been asking for advice and it's usually what team to bet on this week. Is it going to be the Titans or the Texans? Well, let me tell you where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I recommend mybookie.ag. My bookie has been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days, and you'll have your cash. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. Join now, and my bookie will... Match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. Use promo code Locked On and visit mybookie.ag or download the app through the App Store or Google Play. And you play, you win, you get paid. My bookie, go out there and do it. All right, Brian, we got to get into these pro football focus grades because I'm super interested about this offensive line. What did you find out? 
Yeah, from the offensive line, let's talk about guys who underperformed. We talked about yesterday, Julian Davenport. As soon as Chantrell Henderson went down with the broken ankle, he moved over to right tackle. It was abysmal. Took 63 snaps uh, from right tackle. He took 11 on the left side, and he looked pretty good there from our eyes. But let us let me tell you how bad it was. He allowed the most pressures out of all the offensive linemen, and that's nine quarterback pressures total. Four hurries, three quarterback hits, and allowed two sacks. He had two penalties, but those were declined. So, again, depending on how much of an effect those penalties were on the overall scheme of the game, well, we ultimately lost. But just to note to let you know that he did – incur two penalties uh, whenever he played uh, more offensive line guys. Uh, you know, the second most amount of pressures is Martinez Rankin still going to give him Mulligan. Uh, he had to come out here and step in as a rookie. He didn't expect to be out there so quickly, uh, but Chantrell Henderson went down. So he had to go out there and help. So Martinez Rankin allowed four pressures. That's three hurries. And um, also uh, four quarterback pressures and, uh, uh, they believe it was a sack. So it was a sack in three hurries. I'm sorry. So uh, Senio Calamente, he allowed three hurries. So he was right behind uh, Martinez Rankin. But let's look at who was ranked as the top offensive lineman for uh, this past game. Nick Martin on the offensive line. No surprise there. That I imagine that he was going to get a good grade. He had a 63.9. Um, the other offensive lineman, Chantrell Henderson, before he went down, he was just fine. And honestly, I was not worried about Chantrell Henderson being able to play well. I was just worried, how long is he going to be able to play? How long is he going to be able to stay healthy? And <laughs> it was barely a quarter of the game but before he went down, so he just took 11 snaps. So 72.1 offensive grade. Um, his pass blocking was a 77.9. That was one of the best out of all the offensive linemen and a 69.4 run block grade. That's the highest out of all the offensive linemen. Best pass blocker was Zach Fulton. Did not expect any issues with Zach Fulton. He looked just fine out there. That's one of the guys that I least worry about. Nick Martin was right behind him with an 80.3. So those are your top offensive linemen. But let's go back and see who performed the worst. Your worst offensive lineman uh, out there, uh, the worst grade uh, for uh, Sunday, that's Julian Davenport. He had a 55.3. The worst pass block grade goes to Julian Davenport, 25.3. So this is all a result of him playing out of position. I imagine that they're going to move him back to left tackle, and then they're going to figure out who's going to be playing right tackle this coming Sunday. I imagine it would be Martinez Rankin, but you do have Kendall Lamb out there. You might want to throw him uh, in there and try to try this experiment, or they might bring somebody in. So that's another possibility uh, right there. But those are your guys that you want to kind of zero in on, the guys that allowed the most pressures, your top performers, and those who underperform. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you mentioned Davenport, but Rankin was pretty bad too, right? He was down there as well. Uh, Martinez Rankin, in terms of his grade, he had a 50.4, which that's better than what I expected. Um, his run block grade wasn't too good at a 42.8. His pass block grade uh, was a 57.2. So that's third. But, but I think, yeah, so he was worse. Yeah, so it sounds like he was worse than Julian Davenport. But I, again, I just, like I said earlier, I want to say 
you know, the, the offensive line, I, I don't know w- what they do as far as the numbers go if the quarterback's holding and holding and holding on to the football. And Deshaun Watson held the ball too dang long. He was holding the ball too dang long. And look, as you might look at these numbers and say, oh, they're not all that great. Part of that's Deshaun Watson. But let me also say that we looked at the numbers last year. They were such an atrocity. These are like a vast improvement, Brian. These are much better, really. <laughs> when you compare the offensive line of last year, yeah, we're all complaining that this that yet they need to get better. But we have improved when you when you see the returns here because most of the offensive line was in the 30s. La- last year, you're talking about last year. They were in last the 30s. Year, oh, yeah, yeah, they were in the 30s last year, but. This time around, nobody. Nobody's even close. The lowest grade was 55.3, and that was, uh, you know, from uh, Julian Davenport. So, you know, at least offensively, as far as in protecting, they're a little better, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So this is probably going to be a project that's going to take a couple of seasons to get it to where we need it to be. But you, you just see just such the impact of, you know, having such a dynamic quarterback that you want to protect and he's not getting definitely the protection he needs. But again, he was getting the time early in, but you know they were getting to him a, a, a lot uh, as the game wore on, and he did some extra running that I didn't want to see out there. And this is something that we're going to have to live with throughout the season, so I hope he stays healthy. Get rid of the dang ball quicker. I mean, we saw it in the first preseason game, and then since then it hasn't been good. Uh, you're playing better teams than you were the first preseason because I, I believe the first preseason season he played, he wasn't playing against uh, necessarily first team guys. But then you played the Rams and 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 they were playing uh, maybe a couple more guys first team. But it's a better team. Well, I don't know the Rams Chiefs. He struggled against the Rams. He struggled against, and it was the same thing. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. No, yeah, he struggled ever since that after that first preseason game where he looked good the one drive, uh, or the, maybe it was maybe it was the second preseason game he played in that one. One drive, he looked pretty good, but since then, yeah. it hasn't been good at all. Um, looking at the other grades really quick on offense, Jordan Thomas, uh, he only had 14 snaps, but an 89.80 of the best grade on the entire offense from what I see. Jordan Aikens on the other end, outside of Sammy Coates, he only had six snaps. I, I don't even want to count Sammy. He was down there at the bottom, but uh, Jordan Aikens, 49.5 and 37 snaps. But that's a lot of snaps. That's more snaps than I thought he would have, Brian. And I, I don't know, 49.5 t- to me doesn't tell the whole story because, you know, they threw the ball to him a couple of times. He caught it both times. Uh, you know, I, I still like the promise that he has. But Aikens, he was in there a lot. I mean, if you look to, at Aikens' snaps and then you compare him to Ryan Griffin. Yeah, Ryan Griffin had 63. He was out there. But Jordan Aikens um, was out there a lot. That means there was times where, where both of them were out there. I mean, there were 74 offensive snaps, I believe total. And, um, Aikens and, uh, Ryan Griffin, they had like 90 plus snaps between the two of them. So that means they're, they're putting both of them out there. Yeah. And and with the depth that we have at that position, um, you, you, it's worth it to just try out both guys. Jordan Akins is our tight end in the future. It's not going to be Ryan Griffin. So why not get him um, a reputable amount of snaps uh, to get his feet wet? Because this is going to be his job eventually. But how about Jordan Thomas in the second half? I don't remember that. I, I don't remember exactly what the time on the clock was, but it was a incredible catch in the second half. He went up there, got it, muscled it down. 
and was able to pick up a few yards out of it. So uh, Jordan Thomas is here. He's ready to rock and roll. Uh, a very, very highly underrated six-round pick. Um, I'm just really excited to have him on this team. Yeah, it wasn't you. I don't know if you had to muscle it down. He made it like a fingertip catch that was really nice. It was a good throw too by Deshaun. That was maybe one of his best throws of the entire game. It was down the field along the sideline. There was a defender behind Jordan Thomas, but he was open. Made a nice catch. I remember that one real well. Uh, I want to get to the defense in just a second, but we got to remind everybody that fantasy football is underway. We've got two fantasy football shows to help you guys out. We're going to have our fantasy guy, of course, Andy Rio, coming up in a couple of days. But Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Locked On Fantasy Football is now Locked On Fantasy Football experts with amazing guests every day. Monday, it's Tom Kessenich. Tuesdays, Eric Edholm. Wednesdays, Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lochner. So go check that out. Locked on fantasy football. We've got two shows for you. You definitely can't miss that. All right, Brian, uh, not a whole lot of time left uh, for us, but let's, let's give me the quick defensive highlights. What did you see? Now for the defense, your top rated player, ladies and gentlemen, is J.J. Watt. And I'm not surprised one bit. Now, this is the same strategy he swallowed last season. You know, he's not going to rip you apart out on the defense, but he's going to be tactical uh, with his movements. He's going to be able to wear a defense down with his ability to go out and wreck havoc with his his strengths, just knowing how to go out there and tackle. And he's got an 84.4 with this grade. Justin Reed right behind him, 80.5. DJ Reader. Um, at 79.5, he had two sacks on Tom Brady. You know, we it's very hard for us to get to Tom Brady, but DJ Reader found a way to do it. J.J. Watt helped him out on one of those sacks as well. It was the second one. There, there was a Five. lot of good grades. Uh, Zach Cunningham, no surprise, was the worst, Brian. But I, I want to get over to some of the surprises for me. I don't know what you thought, but Dylan Cole at 50 is sort of a shocker to me, but he was great in coverage. He was bad against the run, supposedly, but... Uh, great in coverage, which that was where Zach Cunningham struggled. Zach Cunningham uh, was not the best in coverage. Uh, he he did more as far as run goes. So that, it's interesting to see wh- where the two of those are excelling and where they're not excelling. Um, the other surprise for me, uh, I think, was the G- Davian Clowney. His grade was pretty decent. It was 67.6. Clowney was not happy with the way he played. He you know felt like... I, I need to shake the rust off a little bit quicker than that. He was disappointed like Deshaun Watson. I'm sure a lot of the Texans were, but those two guys, they've got to make more of an impact. We keep harping on it, but those guys, you need them. I mean, that's why you're supposed to be a good team is guys like that. Uh, what, what did you find on special teams? Any any real standout there? Yeah, before before we get to special teams, just wanted to let you know that there's a guy I forgot that he was out there, Whitney Merciless. Whitney Merciless didn't have a good game, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, 42.2 defensive grade, one of the worst, 47.6 in tackling. Pass rush, Fifty. Uh, that's, that's a 49.0. He had the lowest grade amongst all the uh, defensive guys uh, with his presence, and that probably was the reason of he didn't take it. He didn't. Did he? He took very few snaps in the preseason. I didn't see him um, all that much. And I'm trying to remember the game. No, he, he, actually, did, he didn't take a snap. I don't believe he he took a snap in the preseason because you know he was having some other. He was having injury issues. Besides, you know, his pectoral was fine. 
but I, I think it was either was it a hamstring? hamstring. Yeah, I think it was a hamstring. Yeah, hamstring. Yeah, now it's coming back to me. But that's another guy, you know, another weapon that, you know, that wasn't all effective out there. So we can attribute that to Rust, but 63 snaps, I mean, come on. <laughs> you you, you got to show something out there. He was out there full time. He started uh, as well. So just wanted to bring up Whitney Merciless. Where was he at? But let's go back to uh, special teams. Brennan Scarlett. Brennan Scarlett, because of all the depth we have in defense, he may have found his calling card by shining on special teams. Had an 84.9, by far the best grade out of any uh, performers out on uh, the uh, special teams. He took 14 snaps, and they evenly distributed him on punt and kick returns as well as in coverage. He was able to respond well wherever they put him. So he's showing his versatility. And, you know, that's where Brendan Scarlett may have his future at. And that's why he still has a spot on this roster. Good stuff. Uh, we got so much to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to have uh, Locked On Titans crossover coming up uh, in a couple of days. You're going to want to hear that. Uh, we've also got uh, Andy giving us kind of the, where the NFL is in general. Um, so we're going to come at you, keep coming at you daily throughout the season. If you're enjoying Locked On Texans, Tell your friends, say, hey, guys, this is a great show. You got to keep up with the Texans. It, we're like radio on demand. A podcast, I hate that name. I think everybody loses it at that name. It sounds too technical. It's radio on demand. You get us anytime you want to hear Texans. You got us. That's It's easy as that. Support our free content by sharing the links to our show with your social media followers. And take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Email Locked on Texans at mail.com. It's all in the show description. If you forget, quick reminder also, the Locked On Podcast Network launched our college channel. Look for your favorite college team there, the Locked On Network. Zooming along an incredible yearly pace of 30 million downloads with nearly 100 podcasts in the network. We're adding podcasts by the day. You can get more Texans content. On LockedOnTexans.com, our writers Andy Rio, Charlie Gutierrez, Brandon Gipple, and Calvin Crawford, they're doing great work. You can find Brian's writing on the Texans, Astros, and Rockets on HouseOfHouston.com. If you want to hear my thoughts on the Rockets and Astros, listen to my Houston Sports Talk podcast. We got an Aggies expert, a new Aggies expert, Taylor Travis, talking about incredible game on Saturday against Clemson. Oh, brother. Almost pulled it out there at the end. Uh, but uh, couldn't quite do it. But go check that out. Uh, he's got some good stuff. And uh, he might have a big announcement that might have something to do with us pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. That's all we got for this one, though. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, <laughs> 